Yeah, so I know uh, nobody loves fasting, uh, but I'm asking you to jump in uh, Tuesday. So tomorrow party, Tuesday fast, all right? That's how we're going to roll. And it's 10 days, and here's what I was thinking. I just came off a three-day water fast because I wanted to uh, fast about something that I want to wait for. But this morning I was uh, taking my prayer walk, and I thought, man, I don't want to fast. Why did I call this thing? And uh, that's just my flesh talking. And uh, then I thought, you know, here's my key to fasting. Somebody asked me years ago what my secret to fasting is, and I thought about it because I didn't know if I had a secret. And if, if this is a secret, this is the thing that does it for me. I always make sure I pick something that's more valuable to me than food. And I got that immediately when I was on my prayer walk this morning. I thought, what do I want to fast about? What do I want to see in 2024? I said, oh, I know what that is. And so immediately it was like, oh, well, this is easy. And so there are different kinds of fasts. Um, I sent out a letter this past week that has a link to uh, teaching about fasting. So you're going to get some information there. If you did not get that, that means you're not on my uh, email distribution list. Um, and you won't get my congregational letters or my blogs that I send out. And so if you want to be on that, make sure you fill out the visitor card. You can grab one in the back. You might have one in with you right now. Fill that out. And also during this 30 for 30, which is getting you into the habit of spending time with the Lord every day for your spiritual strength, I'm going to be sending out hopefully a daily uh, one minute encouragement for you to be able to prompt you to stay into that, stay in that rhythm. All right. And then this next week with uh, the praise gathering, it's going to be powerful. And Dennis is such a powerful prophet. He's going to be in the house. It's going to be so good to have him here. But let's jump into this last message for 2023. Would you pray with me for a moment? Just lock in. Come on, let's focus and let's lock in. Just say, Lord, open my ears. Open my eyes. Open my heart to hear your voice and John's voice. Say, speak to me, Lord. Change me into who you want me to be. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. 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 So, today I'm going to talk to you about three things to do when you're heading into the new. Now you know that's from the Holy Spirit because it rhymes. You get that? Three things to do as you're heading into the new. Next year is going to be full of news. All right, it's going to be full of new opportunities, new experiences, new friendships, new business opportunities, new divine encounters, maybe new children, new grandchildren. You're going to have all sorts of news in the new year. And so there's three things you must do as you're headed into the new. Okay, you guys ready? Number one is you got to let go of the old. Look what the Word of God says regarding this. Philippians 3, 13 and 14. Brothers and sisters, I know that I have not yet reached that goal. Anybody relate to that? <laughs> I've not yet reached that goal. But there's one thing. Everybody say one thing. There's one thing. It's the Apostle Paul talking. He boiled down what he needed to do to one thing to be able to enter the new. This one thing I always do, forgetting the past and straining toward what is ahead. I keep trying to reach the goal and get the prize which God called me through Christ to the life above. 
letting go of the old. He said, this one thing I've learned to do. You've got to let go of the old, David. You just got to let it go. Right? And it's not just letting go of sins or your hurts and your hangups and your habits and your failures. It's also letting go of your successes. You see, if you hang on to your successes or failures of the past, you're living in the past. You're not dead yet. So if you've had some successes, great. But there's some new successes waiting for you in 2024. In fact, in context, that verse, when he says, this one thing I do, letting go of the old, he's talking about his successes. Did you know that? The Apostle Paul, in that chapter, talks about how before he came to Jesus, he was politically, spiritually, um financially powerful he had power and prestige in fact historians say that the apostle paul his name was saul would have been in the company of some of the greatest world philosophers that we all revere to this day he said but i count all of my power and prestige as dung that's that old english word for poop right? He says, I count all of my successes as worthless so that I may have Christ Jesus. You see, he knew he had to trade in what he had, good, bad, or ugly, for the new. Now, here's the difference in letting go to the old to embrace the new. And for him, it was embracing Jesus. You see, many people think that they're going to trade for less if they give their all to God. If I let go of my old life and turn to Jesus and trust him with my future, I'm going to trade for less. Like one person said to me this week, you know, non-Christians have more fun than Christians. It's like, well, hey, it might be true. And I said, well, that depends on how you define fun. Like one of my employees, and I was in business here in San Diego, he he was a Jewish brother, and he was... Uh, I was I was talking to him about Jesus, and w- I'd witnessed to him all the time. And he asked me questions. The thing that annoyed him, and he said, actually, actually got him saved, was I knew the Old Testament better than him. And he said that that provoked him. Isn't that great? He had to become a worship leader in the Assemblies of God Church and preaching on college campuses. But it, he was one of my employees at the time, and we were standing there outside my office one day, just you know, looking and waiting for customers. And he said, you know. You say the coming to Jesus, you know, I'll be happy. He said, but honestly, I'm happy now. And this came out of my mouth before I could stop it. I said, yeah, you're going to be happy all the way to hell. <laughs> you see, you have to define fun. The Bible says that Moses forsook Egypt, the riches. He was going to be the next Pharaoh. Forsook the, the wealth of Egypt and watch it the passing pleasures of sin sin is pleasurable otherwise why would we do it but it's passing and then you end up in shame and broken relationships and a broken relationship with God and you're not living your divine destiny and you end up with emptiness and loneliness and purposelessness what's fun about that I remember when I used to smoke pot and pray because I'd just gotten saved, but I had not stopped smoking pot yet. 
And some of you still believe, oh, well, God made it. It's a plant, so it's good. Whatever. If that's where you want to be. And the Lord said this to me one day. I was a young Christian, and I really wanted to follow the Spirit. I really wanted to be close to God. And the Lord spoke to me and said, when you smoke pot, you strengthen your flesh. And when you pray, you strengthen your spirit. You are fighting an unwinnable battle. You're strengthening both sides. That was the day I said, I'm done with that. And then I'd be done with it, but I'd be sitting with my friends and all passing the joint around to get to me. Oh, no, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm following Jesus. And they'd all mock me and make fun of me. And they'd tell me I'm being religious. Then I'd buy into the rationalization. I'm like, oh, yeah, you're right. And I'd go back into it. And then I realized I've got to get a new friend group. That's not easy to do. But if you are desperate to live God's life for you, you have got to make some choices of what you're going to leave behind so you can go into the new. Can I, can I hear an Amen. So Paul left it all behind. It's kind of like that show Deal or No Deal. You guys remember that show Deal or No Deal? It's like you have this. Do you want to trade it in for that other suitcase? You might lose it all or you might go to the next level. Well, the the difference between that game show and this, this is no game. You will not trade for less if you let go of what you have for Jesus. Facts. He had to make a choice. But it's not just your successes you got to let go of. It's also your failures, your hurts, your hangups, and your habits. I want to say something to you about addictions and sin habits. I really want you to hear this because it is the truth. You are not a victim if you belong to Jesus Christ. I'm going to say a strong statement, but it's as true as it is strong. You do not have to sin. See? See? Amen. Yes. We're reaching the parking lot today. I want to read a scripture to you, and this is a fact. Now, if you have a, a if you have a sin habit in your life, it's habitual. And you feel like you can't break it. And it owns you. That's a lie. As a believer in Christ, that's a lie. If you weren't a follower of Christ, if you're not a follower of Christ, I don't know what to say. You're in bondage. But once you come to Jesus Christ, you have power over sin. Look what this says. Hebrews chapter 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, that's all the believers that ran their race before us, and now they're in heaven, and they're watching us. Let us lay aside, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. Okay, wait a minute. What is that word? What does that mean, let us? Let us lay aside. Oh, wait a minute. You're telling me I can take this sin addiction and just lay it aside? Yes. Even psychologists say that if you replace, it's not just repentance turning from, it's turning to something. If you replace the habit you have, every time you go to the bottle, every time you go to pornography, every time you go to workaholism, every time you go to staying late every, at work and not going home to be with your wife because you don't want to handle the responsibility of a successful marriage, whatever, whatever habit you're in, it's a habit. You've developed a habit. 
Every time you're triggered, replace it with a new habit. That's what they do in AA. They re- I have friends that are in AA. They replace drinking with fellowship. That's why they go to meetings. Every time they go to a, anywhere in the world, any city they go to, rather than drinking, they find a group that they go to and they have fellowship. That's even without Christ and it works. I want, I'm saying this to you, my friends, because I know you don't want to bring that sin addiction with you into 2024. And you don't have to. You don't have to. But you have to really want to be free of it. He won't just take it from you. There's some people that say, well, if God wants me free from this, he just has to take it from me. He's not, he's not going to whip you around like that. You have free will. He has given you, you are a free will agent, but he's the power. But he needs your partnership. Can I hear an amen? amen? If you're just saying, oh, I'm waiting for God to take this from me, you'll have it the rest of your life. He won't do that. He, does, he doesn't control you like that. And let us run with that. In fact, Romans confirms what I'm saying here. Romans says, therefore, he's talking to you as a victor in Christ, as someone that has the power of God in your life. Do not let sin reign in your mortal bodies. Don't let it. See, that's good. That's, do you realize how good of news that is? How good? That's good news. That's good news. Doggone thing has been controlling me. See, you got to understand that you have power over it. That's a message of freedom right there. Amen. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. So, this first point, letting go of the old. What do you need to let go of right now today so that you can run your race in 2024? It's like when, I was my, when my son was on, in track. The track, they would, they would tie weights to the, to the runners. And they'd be running... They're 100 or they're 200 or they're 400, right, meters. They'd be running and these weights are tied and they're dragging them on the racetrack. That's what you're doing. That's what some of you may be doing. And then when they would get to the race, of course, they don't have the weights on anymore, right? They unhook them, unhook the weights. They show up to the track meet and now they run like, like wind. Do you want to run like wind in 2024? Then untach the weights. And then number two, it's not just turning from, it's turning to embrace the new. Embrace is not just recognizing the new, seeing the new. It literally, come here, Aiden. To embrace the new is literally like, I am embracing the new. This is so important to do. You've got to own it. Look what the scripture says in Isaiah 43, 18 and 19. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. That's a word from God. God said that. Do not, he says, dwell, ruminate, meditate on the past. God said that. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. 
God's always doing a new thing in you, around you, and he wants to do it through you. I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? That word perceive it right there includes the, uh, includes the verb of embracing. Will you not embrace it? I am making a way in the wilderness and the streams in the wasteland. You may see God wanted to do something new in your life, but you're not embracing it. You might be because of the fear of the unknown, the fear of failure, the fear that I'm not worthy for this new opportunity. Maybe it's like a bride that gets cold feet. That's just like, oh, I'm about to cross the line and do something new. I'm not sure I'm going to be. Or a husband, I meet a lot of young men that are getting married and they're just so nervous that they're not going to be the man that the woman needs him to be. Not going to be able to provide for my family and my kids. You got to embrace it, man. Right? You just got to embrace it. I remember when I was called to be a senior pastor. I was like, oh, no, Lord. I'd never wanted it. I'd never even thought of it. I didn't, I didn't imagine it. I, I enjoyed being the number two guy. Amen. Yeah. There's a lot less responsibility. And I was, so, I was so insecure for the first number of years as a senior pastor. It wasn't until I owned it that it was better for me and you. This is one of the words I give to every leader that comes on our team. I say, you must own your position. Because if you don't, you won't walk in it with confidence, which will not serve the body well. You'll always need affirmation and uh, affirmation about, oh, am I really called to do this? Oh, am I really enough? Okay, nobody wants that. Everybody appreciates humility, but not insecurity and who God's called you to be and called you to do. You need to own it. Then you can walk in it. Amen? Amen. You you have to embrace the new. Even if it's impossible. That's why God said, For I make a way in the wilderness. The wilderness, there is no way. He makes a way in the wilderness and streams in the desert. In other words, He says, Whatever I call you to do, even if it's impossible, embrace it. Think of Abraham. Here's a few examples. We'll move on to the last point. The first one is let go of the old. This one's embrace the new. Think of Abraham. Leave your family and your land to a land I will show you. He didn't even tell him what to embrace. All Abraham knew was to let go of mom and dad and Uncle Fred and Aunt Susie and all my nieces and nephews. Let go of my land, my music, my food, my culture, my nation. Let go so that I can embrace what? The word of God. That's all he had was a promise. Embrace the promises of God. You will be walking on water, but the word of God is solid under your feet. Promises of God. I remember when I was in business here in San Diego, Another company came against us and was going to crush us. We had no hope of surviving because we were the leader. We were the leading business in the industry, but we were very small, but the most successful because God had prospered us. This massive corporation came against us 
and we had no hope. But God had given my brother and I a promise of prosperity. And I said to the Lord, the only thing between us and utter destruction is your word, your promise. And that's what we're standing on. But when it was all said and done, that company went under and we went on. Yeah, it's a great, it's a great story. But it was because we embraced the promise of God. Think of Moses leaving Egypt to embrace God's call in his life. The same with Joshua. Joshua's the number two man. He's comfortable there. We're going to go into the promised land, leading all the God's people into the promised land. And then all of a sudden, Moses dies. And God says, you're the man. And Joshua's like, what? Uh-uh, uh-huh, uh-uh, uh-huh, uh-uh, uh-huh. That's Joshua chapter one, by the way. He had to say, fear not. I'm with you. Fear not. I'm with you. Fear not. I'm with you. Fear not. I'm be bold. Be bold. Be courageous. Be bold, right? He was trying to get Joshua to embrace his new role. And thank God, Joshua finally embraced it. Gideon, another one. Here's a guy hiding in his basement from the enemy, the Midianites. He was the youngest of the smallest family of the smallest tribe of Israel hiding in the basement. And an angel shows up and says, oh, mighty man of valor. He's like, who? Me? What? Huh? What? You see? And the angel worked with him, giving him confirmation until Gideon, what? Embraced it. Then he led God's people out of bondage and to victory. Think of the disciples who had to leave their nets to follow Jesus. They left it all to follow him. Think about how Jesus had to get his disciples to embrace certain things like the Samaritans. The spiritual enemies of the Jews. And Jesus tried to get them to embrace this people group. They were spiritually racist, the Jews were, against Samaritans. And the Samaritans against the Jews. And Jesus walks right into the Samaritans' territory. A revival in that town. And Jesus was trying to get his disciples not to just embrace Israel as God's chosen people, but now the whole world. They didn't embrace it until Acts chapter 10. God, even after they walked with Jesus and heard it straight from the mouth of Jesus Christ, they still didn't own it. Until God has a divine encounter with or uh, Peter has a divine encounter with Peter in Acts chapter 10. That was years later. But once Peter embraced the new, he, he was the door, he was the key to the door to the Gentile, the non-Jewish world for the gospel. That would include all of us right here. He had to get them to embrace a new system, a religious system, which was a personal relationship with God and a new wine and a new wineskin, which was the Holy Spirit. And he had to get them to embrace their new roles as apostles. So the question for you, what new thing is God wanting you to embrace? Is it a relationship? Is it a role? Is it being the husband that you really want to be? The dad? 
the wife, the son, the daughter, the minister, the musician, the writer. What is it? If you don't know right now, ask the Lord, what is the new that you want me to embrace? And then as you do that, the last thing, the third thing, is to trust that God is with you to bless you. Let go of the old. Embrace the new. And know that God is with you to bless you in the new season, in the new role, in the new thing. Look at Moses told Joshua, as Moses knew that he was going to die, because God told him, your race is over, I'm taking you to heaven with me, Joshua's going to lead the people into the promised land. And so Joshua turns, or Moses turns to Joshua and says this, do not be afraid. Turn to the person next to you and say, do not be afraid. I'm going to wait until you do it. Do not be afraid. Come on, David. There you go. Jeff, Ron, you guys told each other, you told him. Okay, did he, Ron say it back to you? Well, come on, Ron. You got there you go. All right. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord. Why? For the Lord will personally go ahead of you. He will be with you. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. Moses experienced God's presence with him. And the most radical thing he had to embrace. He had to embrace being the deliverer of three million Jews from Egypt. That's a hard call to embrace. It took a little while for him to get there. But, and, but hey, you know what? I, it would have me too, right? I mean, it began with a, a bush in the middle of the desert that was on fire and a voice was talking to Moses out of the bush. You would think that would be enough to embrace the new, right? But no. After the bush tells Moses that you're going to be the deliverer of God's people, Moses says, show me a sign. He asks the, the talking bush that's on fire to show him a sign. And God was gracious. He gave him a sign, and then he said, here's another sign, and then here's another sign. Sometimes it takes a while but here's what God said to Moses. I am with you. I am with you. I am with you. God, so then Moses turns to Joshua. Hey, dude, God's going to be with you. I promise. He was with me. I know how he works. He's with you. He's with you. And I want to say to you today, God is with you. I remember when I was a young minister, I was so discouraged in that insecure place I told you about. And I, tried to, I said, honey, I got to get along with the Lord. I got in my car. I drove up on top of a hill. In Escondido here, just so I could just be alone, nothing around me. I just want to be alone with God. And I sat in the car and I asked the Lord to speak to me. And he said one thing to me. I am with you. And I said to him, that's not much. No, like I really felt that. It was like that. That's not doing. That's not going to do it for me. Like I got this, and I got this, and I got this, and I want this to happen. I want this to happen, and these things aren't happening, and these things aren't changing. And for God to say, "I'm with you," it's like, no, I want things to change. I want more than just that you're with me. But what I've learned over the last forty years is, if God's with you, 
That's all you need, man. Right? That's all. I mean, God says to Moses, all right, I'm so irritated with my people. I'm going to let you go into the promised land. You're going to have your water streams come true. But I'm going to send an angel with you, but I'm not going. And what did Moses say? If you're not going, I'm not going. I'll live in a desert with God than in the promised land without God. Can I hear an amen? Because he said this, your presence is the only thing that separates us from all the people groups in the world. That's why here at this church, we worship until the presence of God comes into the place. These aren't little songs, little ditties that we sing on Sunday mornings. Ah, ah, you know, it's not just... No, man, we want God to inhabit the praises of his people because then stuff happens. Amen? All throughout the Bible, God promises to be with us and not to forsake us. He named his son, Emmanuel, God with us. I want you to be able to say with full assurance, we're going to come to a close here in just uh, two to three minutes. I want you to be able to say, my friends, with full assurance what the psalmist said. Psalm 65, 11, is that what this next scripture is? Look at this scripture. Psalm 16, 8. I wonder what 65.11 says. Psalm 16.8. Ready? Will you say this with me? Let's say it out loud. I know the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken for he is right beside me. Woo! God, what a great scripture, yeah? I want you to be, I want all spiritual insecurity to leave your system. May that happen over our 10-day fast. If nothing else happens, if you, after your 10 days of seeking the Lord in word and in prayer, if you could say this scripture with true confidence, I know the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken, for he is right beside me. What a way to walk through life. I always say this to the Lord. Is the prayer Jesus prayed at the tomb of Lazarus. Father, I know you hear me. And I know you always hear me. I'm like, well, if he hears Jesus, then he hears me. Because I'm in Christ. I say that to the Lord all the time when I'm praying. Lord, I know you're listening to me right now. I know you see me and I know you hear me. Now, I'm no different than you. I'm your brother in Christ. And if you're a Christian, the same is true for you. But do you know that? Are you confident? Or do you think your prayers are going into the ether and nobody's really listening and there's, you know. I want you to be able to say, I want you to be able to say that as your own truth. I know that God is always with me. You say, I might not feel, you say, I'm not really confident in that. Well, listen to this great closing verse. This great promise. This is so beautiful. Isaiah 57, 15. I am the high and holy God who lives forever. I live in a high and holy place. You're like, yeah, I know that. He's high and he's holy and he's way out there. But look at this next thing God says. Who... and. But I also live with people who are humble and repentant so that I can restore their confidence and hope. 
Woo. You know what the New King James says, Mark? You were praying it this morning in pre-service prayer, which I invite all of you to. I, I invite you to pre-service prayer. I would love for you to come. Come for 30 days. See what happens in you and in our church. We pray right in the next room over here, 915 to 945. It'll heat this place up. Make that a New Year's resolution. In the New King James, it says, so that I can revive the spirit and revive the heart of the... So I can revive the spirit of the contrite ones. That means the truly godly, sorrowful ones. And revive the heart of the humble ones. Do you want your spirit and your heart to be revived by God? Do you want to be spiritually alive in 2024? One of the things, one of the things that causes you to lose interest in God, the Word of God, the company of God coming to church is sin and your own agenda and getting distracted by the things of this world and the cares of this world. Because that quenches the spirit. Do you realize the spirit is the source of your spiritual fire? And so when you, when you disobey God and you start going down this other path and you get into sin and you get into independence and you start resisting the, resisting the leadings of the Holy Spirit, what happens is you grieve the spirit. You quench the spirit's fire. And all of a sudden, you're not, you don't really, you're not excited about the things of God anymore. That's when you need to turn, repent, return away from it, turn back to God and humble yourself. And then he revives your spirit and revives your heart and he restores your confidence and your hope. And the lights come back on and the fire comes back again. It's all by the Holy Spirit. And you'll be walking with God through 2024. So I want to encourage you today in our response time here. Is there something you need to let go of that's weighing you down, distracting you from your relationship with God, that's quenching the Holy Spirit's fire in your spirit and in your heart? What is that? Let it go. Is there something you need to embrace? Maybe it's just a fresh commitment to Jesus. Maybe you need to embrace Jesus all over again, fresh and new, all in, arms around his neck saying, Jesus, forgive me for the secondary things I've let be more important to me than you. I'm just going through the motions. I raise my hands and sing hallelujah, but you know I'm not embracing you like I did at first. I need to be restored to my first love. And then knowing that God is with you every minute of every day all throughout the next year. Will you stand with me? If you've never given your life to Jesus, this letting go of the old and embracing the new 
the most powerful application of letting go of the old and embracing the new is for you. If you've never come to Jesus. Look at the Bible says about you. If you will come to Christ right now. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. The new life has begun. If you've never given your life to Jesus, do that right now. I'm going to pray a prayer with you, give you this opportunity to turn from your old life. Invite Jesus into your heart so that he can begin a new life with you. If that's you and you want to begin a new life with Christ, just pray this prayer after me. Just say, Dear Lord, I believe you came to earth from heaven. And you died for me. You paid the price for my sins. And I believe God rose you from the dead. And I believe you see me now. And you're listening to my prayer. Jesus, I receive you as my Savior. And I promise to follow you all the days of my life. And I'll pray this prayer. I ask you to fill me with the Holy Spirit. Revive my spirit. Revive my heart. I'm going to ask everybody in this church now and online to pray this with me. Say, Lord, revive my spirit. And revive my heart. Fill me fresh with your spirit. So I can let go of the old. And embrace the new. And know that you are always with me in whatever I do. In Jesus' mighty name. Now just raise your hands. Just keep your hands lifted as Josh leads us in worship. Let's receive a fresh outpouring and infilling of the Holy Spirit as we leave this year behind and we step into the new year victorious in Christ. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Twas grace, twas grace that taught my heart to feel, and grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear, the hour I first believed. Chains are gone. My chains are gone. I've been set free. My God, my Savior, 
promise. The Lord has promised good to me. His word, my hope, secure. He will, He will, my shield and portion be as long as long as life and Chains are gone. I've been set free. Yes, Lord. My God, my Savior has ransomed me. And like a flood, His mercy reigns. Unending love. extra prayer to break the chains to break the lies to break the shame to be truly set free some of you sometimes when you've given into a sin long enough a demon can attach to that because um, you've rebelled so long that it's opened a door but Jesus can slam that door shut and so, the prayer teams, I'm going to ask you to come up now. If you just move from your chairs, prayer teams, please come up front. If you need a little extra help, or you want to be sure that this thing has been broken, so then you have the freedom to make better choices the next time the temptation comes to you. It's like this. This is how deliverance works. When you are bound, it's like the thing is right on top of you. And you truly are helpless. It's called a stronghold. 
You've given in and given in and given in until that thing owns you. Once you, once that thing gets broken, then what happens is this. It, it's not on top of you anymore. It's not in your house anymore. It's on the outside knocking in the window, asking permission to come back in. <laughs> That's the word of the day right there. Don't let it. Don't let it. Don't let it. Jesus said that spirit will bring seven worse spirits with it and your condition will be seven times worse than it was before. Jesus can still break that too because he's the Lord. But why put yourself in that kind of bondage? So if you need extra help so that you can live a life of freedom and victory going into 2024, then as, as, as uh, I, I close in prayer here, um, just make your way out of your seat. Come up front. Let these folks lay hands on you, pray over you, break that stuff so you can walk free with Jesus. Lord, thank you for your precious people. Thank you for your powerful presence. Thank you that you are faithful and good all the time to us, even when we are not to you. You are better to us than we deserve, and we are grateful for it. Lord, thank you for all the restoration that we saw in 2023. You said 2023 is a year of restoration. I saw some that really shocked me. We look forward to turning this year with you, going into 2024 with the living God who loves his people and has plans and purposes for all of us. Lord, the Gathering Place Church here, your kingdom outpost in North County, we're asking you to bless us. Bless us indeed. We ask for your presence to be with us tangibly every time we gather in our corporate gatherings and in our small groups. Every time we come together in twos or threes or more, Lord, we want your presence. We want more of you. We want more of you. I pray everyone that does the 30 for 30, bless them. Everyone who fasts, bless them. Bless us, God, so we can be a blessing to one another, to our city, and to our world. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. If you need prayer, come on up. Don't waste any time.